Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Shigander from down in the thumb, so make yourself at home. Thank you. Well, for many of you, uh, when I say the Thumb of Michigan, you know right where I'm talking about. We're right there. And uh, uh, we uh, hail from the small town of Kingston, Michigan. Thank you so much. And um, we are sent out of Fostoria Baptist Church there in Fostoria, Michigan. And another missionary family that you currently support, I just saw them up on the screen there, was the Thatcher family. Uh, Don and Lisa Thatcher also come from uh, story, and so we have a connection that way as well. And so we are excited. But my wife and I are on deputation to Cape Town, South Africa, and it is a thriving metropolitan area, unlike uh, most of Africa, which when we think of Africa, many people think of um, mud huts, they think uh, villages out in the middle of nowhere, and a very primitive location. But when you see our presentation here in just a moment, uh, you will see it is unlike any of that. Very, very sprawling metropolitan area. But as the DVD begins, I I like to uh, go ahead and and start uh, the presentation in this way, simply because I understand that many times the statistics that you will see here right at the very beginning, many times, uh, unfortunately, they tend to go over our heads. It's just another big number to us, and we really don't grasp uh, what's being communicated. So if you'd allow me, I'd like to go ahead and and help walk you through that statistic to really put it into a perspective that I think we can all grasp. The statistic goes something like this. The city of Cape Town, with all of its suburbs, has a sprawling uh, population of 3.7 million people. And there are currently, uh, and I I received this number directly from the Grams based on uh, people that they know and ministries that they're aware of, There are about 15 to 20 independent fundamental Baptist churches there in the area uh, seeking to do a work for the Lord. Several years ago, I had a a, a missionary sitting in my home. We were around the uh, supper table, and he asked me a, a question that went something like this. Why would you consider South Africa? And he went on to explain that there are so many areas uh, in Africa specifically uh, that still are yet without uh, one missionary uh, uh, to whom is then reaching these people. Well, if you do a quick, uh, a quick average between the number of churches and you divide that into the population, I think the answer becomes very clear. If you get that average, it comes out to one church, roughly 30 to 40, maybe 50 on a, if it's a, a large church, would be attempting to reach a population on average of 216,000 people. Now again, that still kind of goes over our heads, and so let me break it down for you a little bit. I'm not certain. It's been, a, it's been two years since I've been on the field, but I would roughly say the church in which the Grams are currently working uh, Calvary Bible Baptist Church, um, it would have that uh, 30 to 40 people attending. 
And so I would say it's definitely smaller than the, uh, than the group that is seated in these two sections right in front of me. With that being said, uh, that would be essentially you as a group attempting to reach a city population on your own. You're the only ones there working. A city population that would be double the size of Flint, Michigan. It's for those reasons I believe that God has called us to South Africa, to Cape Town. Let me also add to that. I'll just mention three communities of which I am aware that still are yet without someone reaching them. Well, I should say two. One of them, the Grams, have begun a work several years ago. It is the one that will be mentioned here on the presentation. It's the city of Gugletu. It's a suburb of Cape Town. It has 100,000 people. And until the Grahams started working there, there was no one to tell them of Christ. The city of Cape Town, the city proper, 400,000 people. And there is no Baptist church there. No one to tell them of Christ. And then the last community that I will mention is a poor African community. Its name is Kyalicha. Another 400,000 people with no one to reach them with the gospel. That comes to nearly a million people. That is almost a quarter of the city population. And there are multiple communities still without someone there. There is no one to reach these people. And I believe the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has, a, has communicated through the word that he has a heart for the masses, for the people, for the individual. And he has called us to serve in this area. And we're burdened to go. We're excited. We're looking forward to working with the Grams of being able to learn from them and their years of experience on the field and to be able to partner with them. And so as you, as you really uh, listen to the, the presentation, you'll see that uh, statistic. You'll hear that statistic. And just be reminded of, of really the great need that is before us to get the gospel to these people as there are literally hundreds and thousands of people dying all the time there in that city. They need the gospel before it's too late. So we'll go ahead and we'll show that presentation now, and then I'll come back up and, and close from here. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Located on the shores of Table Bay in the southwestern corner of the country Cape Town, South Africa, is the tenth most populous city on the African continent. The Cape region is a beautiful area with a very diverse landscape. 
Majestic mountains tower over vast valleys of rich, fertile farmland. Cape Town's most famous landmark, Table Mountain, serves as a panoramic backdrop to the city. Although few of the typical African animals make their home here, you may see a small herd of zebras, elephants, or ostriches. Baboons are quite common and often will be seen stealing food from trash cans. Cape fur seals and African penguins live in colonies along the coast. From June to October, be sure to look for southern right whales swimming in the bay. Cape Town was once the economic capital of South Africa due to its shipping harbor, but was surpassed in size and importance when gold was discovered near Johannesburg. It is still one of South Africa's three national capitals and is home to the legislative branch of the government. With a vast population of 3.7 million people in the greater metropolitan area, Cape Town is quite diverse in its culture, history, and language. The country of South Africa has 11 official languages, and three of them, English, Afrikaans, and Tosa, are commonly found in Cape Town. Differences in culture bring about diversity in religion. As people seek for truth, many are plunged further into the darkness of false religion. Mainline denominations, such as Roman Catholicism, the Anglican Church, and the Dutch Reformed Church continue to deceive people with a works-based salvation. The charismatic movement and Islam continue to grow as people turn from dead ritualism. There are still those who follow the African tradition of ancestor worship and who frequently visit the Sangoma or witch doctor. Cape Town is very much a city that is steeped in spiritual darkness. Currently, there are only 15 to 20 known independent fundamental churches seeking to win the lost of Cape Town. This leaves an average of one church to reach approximately 216,000 people. The need is great. It is to Cape Town, South Africa, that God has called Nathan and Kristen Childs to serve Him as missionaries. Nathan grew up in a Christian home and was in church from a very early age. At the age of five, Nathan understood the gospel during children's church and placed his faith in Christ for salvation. He was baptized and joined Fostoria Baptist Church in Fostoria, Michigan soon after. At the age of 16, Nathan recognized that God was calling him to preach. Kristen grew up in a Christian home, and also at the age of five, she realized her spiritual need to trust Christ as her personal Savior. In 1991, her family began attending Falls Baptist Church in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, where they became active in the ministry. During her growing up years, Kristen's family had many missionaries in their home, and the Lord used those times to put a desire in her heart to serve Him on the mission field someday. Nathan and Kristen attended Baptist College of Ministry in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, where they prepared for the ministries to which God was leading. They both graduated in May of 2006. During his years at college, Nathan sensed that God was calling him to be a missionary to Africa. He spent nine weeks in South Africa and Zambia as part of a college internship where he worked with several veteran missionaries. God opened the door for Kristen to travel on three different missions trips to Southern Africa while in college. Through these opportunities, the Lord gave her a definite love for the African people and impressed upon her heart that he wanted her to return to South Africa as a missionary someday. In March of 2007, God led Nathan and Kristen together in marriage. 
They spent six and a half years serving the Lord together at Dunbar Baptist Church in Dunbar, Pennsylvania, where Nathan served as the assistant pastor. In the spring of 2015, God opened the door for Nathan and Kristen to return to South Africa for three weeks on a survey trip. They were able to assist in the ministries of Calvary Bible Baptist Church in North Pine at a church plant in Gugulatu, suburbs of Cape Town. They helped in children's ministry, preaching, leaflet distribution, youth activities, music, and visitation. During this time, God confirmed that He was calling Nathan and Kristen Childs to serve the Lord in Cape Town, South Africa. The Childs are sent out of Fostoria Baptist Church in Fostoria, Michigan. Hello fellow pastors and brothers and sisters in Christ. It's my pleasure to speak to you through this video to recommend to you Nathan and Christian Childs and their ministry, the call of God upon their life to uh, South Africa. Uh, it has been our pleasure as a sending church to uh, see the Lord grow them, certainly through this local church, but through several others to which the Lord has called them and used as the means to equip them for their future ministry. We are excited as we share in their burden for the people of South Africa where God has already taken them and His plans for them in the future. We know as you have opportunity to talk with them, to fellowship with them, you will sense their heart to take the gospel to those people who have never heard. I'd like to ask you personally to consider supporting them. Certainly financially, but more importantly, would you consider prayerfully supporting them as they go? Throughout the rest of their time on deputation as they head to the field, would you pray for them that God would open many doors, that God would give them utterance, and that God would open hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for taking the time to meet them and greet them, and may God bless you all. In a day where African churches are compromising at an alarming rate, Nathan and Kristen desire to see churches planted that will remain faithful to the Lord until He returns. They will be working in the ministry of Calvary Bible Baptist Church in the suburb of North Pine, South Africa. During this time, they will be assisting in the planting of a local church in Gugulatu, an African community that currently has no fundamental Baptist church. Their desire is to see God use them to establish a church through reaching people via evangelism and discipleship, teaching and training of national believers for the ministry, ministering to the needs of young people through Sunday school and youth activities. Time is short, and the need is great. Pray for South Africa, and pray for Nathan and Kristen Childs as they follow God's call to this needy mission field in Cape Town, South Africa. So that gives you a little bit of... Uh, a glimpse into our testimonies, the area to which God has called us, and the ministry uh, to which we, and in which we will be working. And uh, we're really excited about how God has uh, led us to partner with the Grams. I will mention, uh, just by way of uh, a connection point that way, uh, we have known the Grams for a number of years, and we have uh, most of our trips have had in some way a connection to them and to their family. Uh, my wife, uh, on her uh, first trip, uh, Brother Graham had uh, been a new missionary at that point, or newer missionary to the team there in Johannesburg, and so that was her, her first exposure to them and their ministry. And then uh, beyond that, um, she spent three months uh, in, that would have been 2006, 
working with uh, their children and helping them through schooling uh, through one semester. And then she came home so she could get married. I don't know why she decided to do that, but she did, and I'm thankful for it. And, uh, but uh, 2005, the bulk of my college internship was spent with the Grahams. So we have had a great connection. And we know them well, and we are uh, thankful for them and their ministry that they've had there over the years. Uh, pastor asked that I would go ahead and share uh, our story, and much of it was already on the DVD, but there were a few things uh, that I'd like to bring out that were not a part of that, and I think it'll give you a little bit of a, a sense in which um, we, uh, we just sense God's calling and just the, the journey that we've been on uh, to bring us to this point. And it's, for me, I know it starts uh, f- uh, quite a ways back. Actually, I didn't mention it on the presentation, uh, but um, I had really wanted to be in ministry from a young age. As you heard, I was saved at the age of five, and by the age of six, I was wanting to be in ministry. And God had not called me to ministry, but that was my desire. I wanted to be uh, just like my pastor. He was my hero. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, being around him, and uh, so I, I really emulated him. I wanted, to, I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to be as tall as he was. I wanted to be as handsome as he was. Neither one of those things worked. Uh, it didn't turn out for me, and uh, so it was just uh, one of those things that uh, the Lord did not gift me with, but uh, it really gave me a heart for the ministry. However, uh, sad to say, but it is part of my testimony, but the... Uh, my teen years were quite a struggle for me. Um, I remember very clearly um, we had transferred uh, schools. And when you're the new kid, your, your desire is always to fit in. You want to be the guy uh, who is able to acclimate well, pay, uh, make friends. And so, uh, unfortunately, the friends that I chose were not the best friends for me. And I began to... Uh, really suffer spiritually and, and made some poor choices. And uh, Praise the Lord. Uh, nothing uh, that would be said in many regards as being a major uh, issue, but definitely just w- started walking away from God. And the further away from God I moved, the less I wanted to be in ministry. That was a, that was a very definitive point as I remember growing up. I, just, I had no desire uh, as I got older and older, I was about 15 or 16 years old where, uh, when I attended a youth camp, and I remember very specifically, God dealt with me on a Wednesday night, and it brought me to a po- uh, really a crisis point spiritually, and I did not make a decision in that service. I hardened my heart and walked out of uh, that, that preaching service unchanged, and I'm grieved about that. But I'm very thankful for a youth pastor who was sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God and pulled all of the fellows from the youth group together for an evening devotional period and just shared his heart. And as part of that, I remember very specifically God dealing with my heart again and giving me a second chance to make things right. And that really became a turning point for me. It was shortly after that, with, I say within a year, um, God had called me to preach. Uh, I remember very specifically God using the passage in Jeremiah chapter 1, where Jeremiah is, uh, is uh, having this uh, uh, calling from the Lord, and he is receiving that call, and, and he uh, seems to be 
uh, balking at it. He seems to be hesitant, and, and the, uh, uh, he, his one excuse is, uh, I, I cannot speak for I'm a child. Well, as I read that passage, I said, Lord, I can't speak. I'm a child's. I, I came from a, a farming background. I wanted to be in the ministry, but now facing the call of God, I was scared to death. I'm a farmer. What else do I do? I mean, I, I can preach to cows, and they, they amen at all the right times. But uh, anyway, we, uh, I remember coming to that point where just it was so clear uh, of the call of God and surrendering to that. I began to, to press toward Bible college. But all through this time, there was one thing uh, that, in, in, that I would have said definitively when it came to the call of God for ministry. I was okay preaching, but I was not okay with missions. I had no desire to be a missionary. I, did, I, I wanted to be as far away from the mission field as I possibly could get. I have my mother to blame for that. You see, as a child, I was a picky eater. And she used to, yes, you know where this is going, don't you? She used to say things like this, you better eat that food. You know, one day God's going to call you to be a missionary. And he's going to call you to Africa. And you'll have to eat bugs. <laughs> terrified me, terrified me. I had no desire to be in ministry. I, I did not want to be in any way, shape, or form involved with missions. I went to college, and by this time, Kristen had already been on a missions trip to Ireland, and she was real. And I know her story mentioned here a little bit. Uh, her family had had missionaries in their home, and she really had a desire to be involved in missions. We entered the same freshman class together. Uh, at one point, for quite some, most of our um, uh, college years, I worked for her dad. He's uh, in charge of the maintenance up there at Falls Baptist. And so I worked for him. So by the time we got married, he knew what he was getting. And he still let me marry his daughter. That's amazing. Uh, but anyway, um, but really, for me, I was still, though she, I know, we had no interest. We were sharing classes together. Uh, we knew each other by association, really. But we were going two different directions. And, uh, and so for me, it was, I was not wanting to be a mission. She was heading that direction in some way, shape, or form. Didn't know how God was going to lead. But I never for, I'll never forget, God brought me to a point at which I, I came into a, a service. It was an opening revival meeting. And, and the missionary was actually speaking. It was going to be a missionary uh, evangelist who was uh, speaking alongside of a pastor. On a Sunday night, he opened up the, the word of God to Isaiah chapter 6. Delivered a powerful message. The first four verses God used to break my heart and to show me my selfishness, to show me my pride, to show me just how unwilling I was to serve a God who was worthy to be served. And I remember in seeing God for who he was and all of his holiness and his character through the pages of scripture, I got a real glimpse of who I was, very much like the prophet. I remember going to my knees that night and crying out, woe is me, for I am undone. Bringing my, my life to that point of surrender where I said, God, I will do anything, even if it means going to Africa as a missionary, I will do anything. 
I don't want my hands on my life. I'm taking them off. It's yours. Use it as you see fit. The very next day, this was a Sunday night, and the very next day was a Monday, and that same missionary was to be my professor for an introduction to missions uh, college course, and that did not make me overly excited. When you finally get to the point where you surrender everything, and then the next class you have is missions, uh, you, you kind of have an idea, what is God going to do? And I remember about a week and a half later, God very clearly, through his word, giving me that, that, that assurance that he was indeed bringing me to the mission field one day. And all of a sudden, my heart changed. And I wanted to go. I still wasn't quite ready for Africa, but I was willing. I began to uh, look at mission, different mission fields, but God kept drawing my heart around and finally brought it into the continent of Africa, opened up a door to, to uh, sh- spend a summer with the Grahams in South Africa. And uh, God really did a work of just bringing me to the point where I said, I'm home. This is where God has called me. I want to be right here. And it's been, a, it's been a, a unique journey. It's been an amazing journey. The following year after that is when my wife uh, went to South Africa to, uh, to teach the Graham's children. She was there in 2006. And then she came home again. As I mentioned, we got married. And we have uh, waited now for our time to go. We sat for uh, almost uh, eight to nine years just waiting for God to open the door for us to go. Her heartbeat through the, the three mission trips that she took to Africa gave her a real desire to be back. And uh, so when we married, our wedding was themed with South Africa. It was on our heart. We wanted to be there. Uh, behind us in the, bank, in the reception hung the South African flag, and our, our flowers were native to South Africa and things like, of that nature. We wanted to be there. And it wasn't until 2015 that God opened the door for us to take our first trip together back. What a joy it was to step onto African soil and to get involved in ministry and to meet people and to serve alongside of them. And it was through that trip and then the, the weeks following that God really brought to us a convincement, this is where I have for you to serve. And we're looking forward to getting back. In his timing, we know that uh, we have waited all this time. We can wait a little bit longer to get through deputation. Uh, but uh, we, we know that God has brought us to this point, And we're just so excited about serving uh, there uh, in South Africa and getting involved with the Grahams. And uh, that, that really is uh, our story. That is how we, we, were, uh, we were able to, uh, to get to the field, to get to this point. And, of course, uh, you know, some people ask, how did you meet your wife? They, the, the pat answer is, of course, I met her at college. But uh, that really is. I, I, look at, I look back across the pages of our lives and just see how God was moving and God was working to bring all of this together. And we're just so excited. Let me encourage you to stop by our display table. If you have any questions about the ministry or about us, we'd be happy to answer them. Stop by, pick up a prayer card. We have plenty of those for you. Uh, Trust that you'll be praying for us. And then also uh, we have on the table as well a sign-up sheet where you can uh, sign up for our prayer updates. 
and uh, you can uh, receive those as they come out and just keep uh, informed as to what we are doing and where we are and how things are, are progressing. If you would please take your Bible and go to the book of Matthew chapter 9. We're just going to look very briefly here at this very familiar passage and just really draw out one thought for you this afternoon. If, if you're anything like me, the food was delicious and it is now sitting uh, in your gut and you are ready uh, to take a nap. And so we will, we will do our best to be done in just a moment here. But I want to draw out one thought for you this evening or this afternoon and just want to uh, really give uh, something that the Lord has really dealt with, uh, with me at different times about and I trust would be a blessing to you. I will mention this by way of introduction that uh, it was it was last last uh, June I read a prayer letter from a missionary that mentioned the state of missions by way of statistics and I won't bore you with this but let me just say this one of the things that was mentioned in that prayer letter is that there are on average since 1950 1000 missionaries coming home off the field every year for various reasons 1000 on average per year coming home never to return back to the field. In their place, there are returning 50. And I think that is a, it is a stark uh, reminder and a great illustration of the passage that sits before us in Matthew chapter 9. If you would please look at the last three verses here. When Jesus is, is teaching here, we'll, we'll pick it up in verse 36 for the context. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. If 1,000 missionaries are coming home on average per year and only 50 are replacing them, I think we would agree that missions as we know it is in a state of decline. Fewer and fewer missionaries are answering the call of God to go to the foreign field. What is really sad is, uh, uh, as well... The, that several statistics that were mentioned, but one other thing that was mentioned was 43% of deputation missionaries, 43% never finish deputation. Now, for me, that's scary. That's almost half. And I'm thankful for the ones that do answer the call and that do uh, commit to go and they... They press forward, they make it through deputation, they arrive on the field, and God does an amazing work through their ministry. But what of the, what of the rest that never make it, that 57% that do, we're thankful for. But what of the 43? But just this thought here, Jesus tells us the laborers are few. The word harvest here has a very interesting uh, connotation for me growing up on a farm. I know it well. I know one thing, we're not in harvest season yet. But it is one thing that a farmer looks forward to. He gets that seed in the ground, he, get, he, he waits through that growing period, and he is anticipating harvest in the fall of the year. 
And that's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing to look forward to. But Jesus says in this passage, the harvest is plenteous. In John chapter 4, he said that the harvest truly is white. Jesus is not saying it will be or it has been. It is right now white. It is ready. It is plenteous. There is an abundant harvest out there. But there's a a real problem, and that is the laborers are few. And the answer that Jesus gives to us in this passage, look at it, if you would, please, in verse 38. It says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And I truly believe, based on that passage of Scripture, the reason that missions, in a sense, is declining is because God's people have stopped praying for laborers. Because Jesus tells us, if we would pray... He would send. He would call. So let me ask you. Let me ask myself. Are we praying for laborers? We looked at a a presentation regarding Cape Town, South Africa. We gave a statistic that shows that uh, one small church is attempting to reach a vast number of people. There are not enough churches, there are not enough laborers to adequately accomplish the task that is set before them. We need laborers. Are we praying and asking God, God, would you send laborers? I think of the population of the world, 7.4 billion people, I believe it is now. Half of which have never heard the name of Jesus Christ half. Many of them we know are are tucked in that, what we call the 1040 window. Are we specifically praying, God, send laborers? There are thousands, there are millions, there are billions of people without Christ. I understand we pray for the missionaries that we support. We pray for the missionaries that come to the church and present their work. We have their prayer cards. We pray for them regularly. But are we consistently praying, God, please send more missionaries to the field. The sad thing is, I believe many times we don't simply because we're not concerned or we're afraid or many other reasons. But let me challenge you. Folks, you can take a globe or a map and you can put your finger anywhere on that globe. And if it is a populated area in any way, shape, or form, there is a need for more laborers. So how can you get involved in the ministries around this world? How can you impact missions? You can do so through your prayers. You can do so by simply saying, God, would you please send laborers? It doesn't have to be specific. You don't have to pull out a region. You can simply You can be general, you can be specific, but the idea is, God, please send laborers. I know uh, this matter of the harvest, I would ask this question, what happens if if the field, my dad is being a farmer, what happens if the field sits there ready it is plenteous, there is plenty of work to do, what if his equipment breaks down? And there's no, no repair, there's no fix for it. What happens to the harvest? 
it wastes, it rots, it's lost forever. And if we don't have the laborers that we need, if we don't uh, see God do a work of calling more missionaries to the foreign field, there are go- I believe there will be millions of people that will die without Christ who did not need to die in that state. I'll close with this illustration just as a, as a, as a point here. Missionary in China, I don't remember who it was. I believe it was Hudson Taylor, but I don't, I don't recall that, so I will not say that definitively. But a missionary in China was asked by a Chinese convert how long they had had the gospel in their homeland. That missionary said, well, I believe we've had the gospel for about 400 years. Chinese Christian said, then why did no one come earlier? My father and grandfather died searching for this message. You know, there are people all over this world who are ready to receive the message of the gospel. They're just simply lacking a laborer. So, Myo Baptist Church, would you pray for laborers? Would you pray that God would send forth people into the harvest field? I have seen the young, and I have seen those who have retired, those who have families, all age groups. God has called. Would you pray for laborers? And would you be willing to go if God calls you? He may not send you to Africa. He may just simply send you right across the street. But you need laborers right here in Mayo as well. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.